We're live. Player Profiler Nation, how are we doing? It is one day until football. Just one night, 24 hours from now, we'll be watching football. Fellas, I'm. Uh, how are we feeling tonight? One more sleep, baby. Only one more sleep. Just one more sleep. <laughs> On the one hand, uh, I'm excited for football. On the other hand, I'm not going to be able to watch Thursday Night Football because I'm at a Sting concert. Uh, so it's going to be a different viewing experience for me. So ultra excited to hopefully watch uh, some touchdowns on my phone. <laughs> That's, I mean, a Sting concert for, for a man of a Han Rungta's age is, I mean, the, the people got to be impressed with this, right? I mean, I mean, odds, if you would have said, I, I went to a concert tonight and I would have put the odds of Sting at probably the same odds as the Jaguars winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> Enough to maybe sprinkle. I think that's not a terrible bet. But, yeah, I was, I was that's, that could be a, that could be a decent bet. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, if you don't know already, I am joined by Ahan Rungta and Tyler Football Knabley to talk about our 2021 season preview. Unfortunately, our fearless leader Seth Dewald is completing his last fantasy draft today. I'm sure he's getting his one last share of David Montgomery in while he can. So we, you know, he's with us in spirit in this episode. We may even talk about his guy, David Montgomery, a little bit. But what we are definitely going to bring you today is a look at Dynasty Risers and Fallers throughout the 2023 season, our predictions. We're also going to talk about some week one stashes that you need to be getting right now in preparation for the games. And then we're going to have some fun and break down our playoff predictions for the 2023 season, as well as. If you're, a, if you're an OG of the Riders Roundtable, you know regular season means best bets and bold predictions. We got a great show. Let's get in. All right, the Dynasty Roundtable live, joined by Ahan Rungta and Tyler Football. We, where do we even begin? There's so much to talk about going into the 2023 season, but look, we're the dynasty round table, even though the overlay says writers round table. I was going to say that, but I, but I was like, ah, I'm good. I'll, I'll stay away. Well, Seth said, just use any background. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I should have not taken that as literally as I did. Our fearless I, leader left us high and dry. It's the regular season. We just, we're, we're getting that nostalgic vibe back to the writers round table, but we're, we're shifting to, to a more dynasty-focused show, and thus I want to kind of look into our crystal balls right now and, and talk about who is going to be the biggest risers and fallers throughout the 2023 season. Ahan, I'm going to kick it to you first. Who is going to be your biggest riser? I mean, I've mentioned this guy on, on Twitter, and I think I've mentioned this guy on the writer's roundtable back when, back when that's what, what it was called. Um there is a wide receiver right now who is being completely overlooked uh, because, one, uh, a lot of people didn't know his name until midway through last season. Uh, two, his team just added an elite offensive pass catcher. But this wide receiver is still the second-best pass catcher on a good team. It's Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins is good at football, and uh, he's better than any Giants wide receiver they've had recently. Uh, I mean, they had Kadarius Tony over there and uh, they've had, uh, I mean, 
Paris Campbell now, and I know some of us in the room are Paris Campbell truthers, or maybe they still are. Um, but Isaiah Hodgins is better than all of them. Uh, number one among all NFL wide receivers last year in route win rate. Just think about think about that. Like all the wide receivers, the route running. Isaiah Hodgins is good at football. He was the go-to guy for Daniel Jones against the Vikings in that high-scoring playoff game for a reason. He earns those targets. Uh, he doesn't need Darren Waller to, to be hurt to be relevant, right? Um, I mean, obviously, Darren Waller has injury concerns, but he doesn't need that to be relevant throughout the season. Uh, and week one, perhaps a good opportunity for him to showcase that. I think you're going to see a lot of people pick up Isaiah Hodgins off waivers a week late because they're not listening to the show. Yeah, uh, piggybacking off the Isaiah Hodgins thing, one thing I like about him, too, is he projects as more of like an X receiver, a guy that's going to play outside. And with these Giants receivers, almost every single one of them is a slot guy. Even Darren Waller, I mean, you can put him outside, but he's a tight end. He's going to be more predominantly in the slot. I mean, Hyatt's a slot guy. Paris Campbell's a slot guy. Wandell Robinson, when he comes back, is a slot guy. I think there's one, like, cut Cole Beasley, so he doesn't count anymore. But they just there's so much competition for, I feel like, targets over the middle that Isaiah Hodgins could find himself an easier path to targets kind of playing outside. The guy that I had uh, for my uh, biggest riser is Rashad White. Rashad White is currently the RB22 on keep, keep trade cut right now. He's a player profiler darling. We know this. But this guy, could is one. Of, he's one of the dudes I've drafted a lot just in redraft because I truly believe he's going to have a big year. Like I don't think a top 15 RB season is like out of the question for Rashad White. And if he puts up that kind of year – you're going to see his value skyrocket, even if it's for like a couple months. Like that's definitely like just even like a sell high window. You could you could just sell on Rashad White, just get more than what you got for him. I think he's he is a, he has the capability to be a three down back. I know he's not in the best offense, but I don't as a running back, you don't need it to be in a great offense to be really good. Maybe like James Robinson, his rookie year, terrible offense, but he's sick for fantasy. So I really like Rashad White. I think he uh, has a really easy path just to uh, gaining more value because he's so young and because I think uh, he's just kind of electric in some ways that some like, like someone like Fournette last year, he was not electric. I don't know if Fournette's been electric since like his rookie year in the league. So I like Rashad white and that's my guy. Look, I, I couldn't agree with these sentiments more, especially particularly with Isaiah Hodgins. I, I put out a piece called uh, "Dumpster Diving for for Value in Drafts," and and that's what it felt like when when getting it, it's not what it felt like when you draft Isaiah Hodgins because when you draft Isaiah Hodgins, he's being thrown into the same tier as like a Mac Hollins, just some last round dart throw, where we we have data. In, in, you know, near a half season sample where Isaiah Hodgins stepped in and was an every down player and was a true route winner, a target earner and a red zone threat. And he still has all the opportunity in the world. Tyler, you, you mentioned he profiles as an X and it, it's just interesting where this idea that, that he got, he was trash or, or anything like that kind of came from. He, he was you know drafted to the giants, his first full kind of season in the NFL suffering from injury and and it seems like the the fantasy land never never really gave him a chance with with value one of my biggest risers that i want to talk about isn't necessarily he's not going to be jumping that high in the ranks but the tier jump that he's going to move into is going to be a huge impact if you get dk metcalf on your fantasy teams last season with geno smith set a career high in targets with 141 and 
part of the issue with the Seattle Seahawks offense was they missed that that underneath threat, somebody who can work the zones. And we kind of saw DK Metcalf's deep target share and his air yard air yards per target drift down a little bit. And I think now with Jackson Smith and Jigba inserted into that offense, they're going to get back to letting DK do what he does best. And they're going to put him in more situations where he's going to succeed. He's going to be burning people down deep downfield. And, and we also saw kind of a, a, a broken tackle regression kind of happen with DK Metcalf where he wasn't gaining the yak that he typically does. And so we expect, especially with an added weapon, there's going to be more room and DK Metcalf is going to get back to being one of the highest yak receivers in the league. And when he corrects on his touchdown numbers back near the double digits, he's going to be a top 10 receiver in both redraft and dynasty by the end of the season. And for anybody who knows me, they know that I, you know, I, I came in today thinking, you know what, this is going to, I'm, I'm only here for this one, one episode. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get through an entire episode without talking about DK Metcalf. You nope. did it for me. So I, I, I absolutely love it. And I love the Rashad White call, you know, when, Matt sent out the show sheet. Uh, we're talking about risers, especially early on in the season. And I put Rashad White on the short list. So love both the calls. Our producer, Jay, shout out to Jay in the chat, doing a doing a phenomenal job, always getting the chat live on Wednesday nights. Says, how much higher can DK really go, though? He's already borderline top 10. Exactly. He's like 14 right now. And cracking into that top 10, He's still on the right side of the age production curve to where if he puts up a top 10 season in this offense, we that's just where he has to be. I, I don't make the rules, but I, I adhere to them. And and this is just the way things are going to be from now on. No more Devontae Adams. I don't even think he's in the top 10. Who's a top 10 receiver that's going to get bumped out because of DK Metcalf? Is T. Higgins top 10? He might be. There are Devontae Smith, one of those two. Devontae Smith is top yeah. 10. He's 9 or 10, which yeah. I don't know. I I feel bad. I can't remember who came on the show and said it, but someone said that Smith was going to outscore Brown in, in fantasy points. And yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, what do yeah, we think about I'm that? Not, I'm not on that terrain. I think it, I you, you dive into A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown is actually one of the most – like safe players in terms of week to week performance. I think he had the most, uh, the most starts out of any receiver in the league. Like, and he, where he didn't finish outside of like the top 30 wide receivers. Like he was just consistently just putting up numbers. Like he was actually a lot safer than you may think. Cause I think you think of AJ Brown as like a big, a big play guy, a boom guy, but he was actually a really safe receiver. And he can kind of give you that weak winning upside that some of some of the receivers like, I don't know. I feel like who's like a receiver that's like really good, but doesn't give you weak winning upside. You know what I mean? I feel like there's something like Keenan Allen. I feel like Keenan Allen doesn't really give you weak winning upside like AJ Brown does. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if we're comparing it to AJ Brown. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Garrett Wilson will not give you league winning upside this year. Speaking of Garrett Wilson, Ahan, what about your biggest dynasty fallers? We've (laughs) mentioned Garrett Wilson as a faller on this show quite a few times. Are you going to reiterate that sentiment? Uh, no, uh, but I, I'm going to go, go to a different position here and talk about running back. So if you've been reading my articles, um, you've noticed that uh, I place a, a lot of preseason bets, right? Put my money where my mouth is on these season long takes. 
Um, and the one guy I have faded the most in the entire NFL is Josh Jacobs. Uh, so Josh Jacobs is uh, has the title that you do not want. It's He is the reigning touch leader in the NFL. Just plain and simple, if you look at every season, who led the league in touches the previous year and what they produced over the last 10 years or so, you take out Zeke Elliott in, what was it, 2019, I believe? You take out Zeke Elliott, and every single other season was a complete bust, either because they missed most of the games due to injury or because they were they maybe started off well like a Derrick Henry, you know, got injured uh, in the middle of the season or just completely became inefficient and kind of faded away after that the rest of their careers. Now he gets uh, an offense, which obviously they ship out Darren Waller. Now the quarterback is Jimmy Garoppolo. What are defenses going to try to do? Uh, is they're going to zone in on Josh Jacobs and make Jimmy Garoppolo make plays. And on top of that, this year specifically, the uh, the Raiders are going to be playing from behind a lot. Uh, and every snap that is not uh, that is that is a pass attempt is not a carry for Josh Jacobs. Uh, so Zamir White also, by the way, not bad at football. So I'm fading Josh Jacobs in every way. And in week one, you're going to see uh, a little preview to that because they faced the Denver Broncos last year, a top 10 rush defense in the NFL. Tyler, what I, do you I, think? Yeah, the Josh Jacobs thing, uh, to push back on it a little bit, Like I'm not like a big Josh Jacobs guy. He's kind of whatever to me. He's kind of in that, like, I'll take him if he's if he's just kind of sitting there. But for Josh Jacobs, I would argue that I mean Darren Waller was hurt kind of most of last season, and they were they were they weren't good last year either. And he still was, uh, a, I think what he finished like top three running back last year. But I I'm with you on the touch thing. I think there is some some real some real uh, truth to just getting outworked, and it's kind of crazy because Derrick Henry is just like the only like the only running back we've ever seen to kind of just like prove people wrong year in and year out. I don't know if Josh Jacobs is in that Derrick Henry category. So I'm with you on that part. Uh, I think he's fine for me. I like Josh Jacobs like enough to take him, but uh, I, I, now you have me a little scared and like the, the Josh Jacobs teams that I do have. So um, the guy that I'm fed, I'm going to stay in the AFC West here is it's, it's all, it's been pretty much bad looks from the past couple weeks is Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy is like, he was, he was drafted high in the first round draft capital and now he's dealing with the the hamstring injury, and I don't even know when we're gonna see Jerry Judy. Like, I, apparently he's getting like working on the side. I don't know what that means. Like, he could just be doing anything, just going through steps. But Jerry Judy is one of these guys where we just have never seen him put together like like eight games where it's like, oh yeah, Jerry Judy could legitimately be a number one wide receiver in this league. He has some flashes. He flashes it at points, but I've never seen Jerry Judy for half a season be like, okay this guy is a guy and I just, I don't think he is. And I think right now his value is relatively high. He's going, I think you in redraft, he's still going in like that wide receiver 20 to 24 range. I think somewhere around there. So people are still kind of in on Jerry Judy, but I'm out on him. The injury, the Russell Wilson, I don't know, like Sean Payton's like publicly just ridiculing Russell Wilson to his face. I don't know what that's about either. So it's just the Broncos vibes. I'm not in on it. So I, I don't know. I'm out of Jerry Judy. I'm kind of out on just the Broncos offense as a whole, except Javante Williams. I love that guy. Runs hard. I've been out on many, many players, both of whom you you just listed two of them that I'm that I'm out on. Jacobs is one where it I can see, and and I know this is tough to kind of wish cast 
but I can see a real possibility where the Raiders are. Let me do the quick math here, like 12 and two going into like the fantasy playoffs. And Jacobs at that point is going to be battered. He's going to be bruised. If he's made it through the whole season, he's got, you know, this contract looming. He might get franchise tagged again. You know, he has no reason to fight through, you know, a wrist injury. I think it was like week 12 or 13, somewhere very close to the, to the fantasy playoffs last year. He, he looked like he like broke his wrist in one game. And he went right back out there and and carried the ball like six straight times right up the gut. That same stuff isn't going to happen again this year later on in the season. He's going to be sitting out more practices. He's going to be taking off more snaps uh, because he needs to preserve his body. And this team is not going to be winning games or they're not going to be more competitive in those final games if he's on the field. So I think there's a real possibility that that he just doesn't play those last games. And speaking of not playing games, Jamison Williams has played a very small handful of snaps, not, not necessarily games. And he is still being drafted or valued as a wide receiver three in dynasty football. Get out of here. It's over. It's done. He, I mean, I'm not going to be that serious about it, but him at that value is, is most likely never going to happen. He, if his catch wasn't a touchdown, if his one catch was just a foot, like a, like a Khalil Shakir, you know, 40 yard deep ball where he catches and falls, you know, down at the 10, there's no hype for Jamison Williams. He's he had one called 45. back too, though. He had a touchdown called back too. I just want to put that out there. That's true. That probably drove <laughs> his value up another few s- slots for, you know, if he almost had two touchdowns, got to, got to pump the value up. But after all, everything that happened to him, right. in the draft capital recovering from that injury, he was used as a gadget player right away. And it's going to be the same thing as what happens or as what happened last season, because he doesn't know the playbook much more. We we know from training camp reports that he wasn't studying the playbook. He he wasn't doing these things. And that's just all he knows how to do is, is run straight. So he's going to be the burner. And he's going to be on a team that's going to be funneling targets through their alpha dog wide receiver, their two running backs, and potentially their new tight end and Sam Laporta. Jamison Williams is not going to ever finish as a wide receiver 36 in fantasy points per game. Jay, that one better be in in the clips and quotes email because I would like that on socials. He will never reach wide receiver 36 in points per game in any season. So it's it's just an easy sell if you can get him for that value right now. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it a buck. I absolutely like I before pre suspension i was all in on jameson williams but like that but just because he gets suspended does that, does that mean i should change my opinion because this is a guy he, at alabama like he i think people think he's more of a speed guy he's not this guy he can actually run routes now his hands they need a little work but so does deontay johnson he's a wide receiver 26 right now so i don't want to hear anything about the hands but the, the dude has blazing speed he can run routes does he throw money on a parlay every now and again in the building? Maybe. But who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't? Okay. It's just I don't. I'm not going to be out until I see. I, I just need to see him play. If we if we could see him play, give him ten games, 
Let's see how he finishes the season. If he if he doesn't do anything, the, the 49ers out. didn't give Trey Lance ten games. You don't get that much in this league anymore. But there, but there's like he's not on the field. <laughs> but it's so easy to get on the field as a receiver, a quarterback. I mean, you got you got Brock Purdy coming in from Iowa State, proving that he's the the best quarterback to ever live. So I'm just I'm just saying, let's see what James Williams does when he comes back from the suspension, and if he has five catches for. 45 yards the, the rest of the season, then I'll say that I'm wrong. But I think I legitimately think if he ends the season strong, that he could still have some value because we haven't seen him play. We legitimately just have not seen him play. And I, the dude's an electric factory. So I think, I think there's still hope. It's, I will admit it's not looking good. It's not looking great for the boy, but I, it's like Ethereum. I will never sell. So I, I'm still in on, on James. Williams. You can't go to the moon if you, if you don't hold the line. So I, I, res- <laughs> I, res- I respect it. Hold the line. <laughs> All right. M- moving on to segment number two, where we're going to talk about stashes. So Ahan kind of teased this segment earlier where he said he mentioned Isaiah Hodgins is going to be a guy who is going to be picked up late after week one. So aside from him, Ahan, who is your other candidate to lead the charge in players that need to be rostered right now before it's too late? So the last three days of my life uh, on social media has basically been a slew of messages uh, being like, I drafted Travis Kelsey. What do I do? Um, and all of the, and every single time I'm like, okay, who's on the waiver wire? Can we start there? And uh, I say, and I see at the top of all those lists, for some reason, people aren't drafting him. Jawan Johnson. Uh, now, Jawan Johnson fits the mold for a perfect breakout candidate uh he's he is like the david and jokus of the world who i love this year david and jokus they're they're being talked about juan johnson is the david and joku that no one talks about so the saints offense going to be better with Derek Carr. uh perhaps michael thomas plays perhaps he doesn't regardless uh juan johnson last year had a 20 percent red zone target share higher than kyle pitts higher than pat freermuth top 12 among tight ends he commands targets in the red zone. Why? Because he has the elite athletic profile to do so. Chris Olave last year, not even anywhere close to the top wide receivers in the NFL commanding red zone targets. Chris Olave, elite, obviously he's the number one option, but cornerback ones know that they're going to be on him. And who's going to get a lot of those red zone targets when Michael Thomas is off the field? Juwan Johnson is the number two option, but I would argue even when Michael Thomas is on the field, Juwan Johnson is so good and still not at anywhere near the age apex that Juwan Johnson is going to be bought a lot in Dynasty and in Redraft. And uh, you might, again, going back to that theme, I'm looking for players who people are going to catch up on in a few days. And I'm looking at Juwan Johnson week one. I like it. I like it. I mean, he's, he's also only one of the, the only one of the only tight ends that's actually listed as a tight end on the Saints roster on whatever, but we're going to leave that alone. And, anyway, and, and it's, it's okay. I had to sneak it in. Okay. He, he said it, I had to sneak it in there. I had to sneak it in there. I couldn't. Easy. We're, I had to we're treading dangerous current waters. Current events. That's all I'm saying. No, hey, I, it, it, I, current it's, events. It's, what's funny about you saying that is on Wikipedia, it says he's a wide receiver. He was a wide, wasn't he a wide receiver? I remember that game. Remember the one where the Saints blew out the Packers week one a couple yep. of years ago? I think he was a wide receiver then, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, sorry. So yeah. Google still lists, lists him as a wide yeah. receiver. 
that's fun. Yeah, I thought that was funny. That's kind. Of, I mean, I'd I'd like I'd rather have a guy playing tight end that was listed as a wide receiver. It just means he's athletic, yeah. right? So how how many times have you heard the the phrase athletic tight end in the off season? I feel like that just gets thrown around all the time. Oh, okay. Everybody, Anyways. everybody's athletic. He's like, oh, he's got, yeah. he's got some athleticism. It's like, too. you know, you know, Pey- Jake Ferguson is not athletic. It's like, no, like you know, Peyton Anderson really kind of has sneaky athleticism. <laughs> all right. Anyways, my my guy, you need to roster in all dynasty formats, and he this is a this is a deep sleeper. This is for the deep dynasty leagues. For I guarantee half of your, uh, if you're in like a home league, half your league mates have not heard of this guy, and it's Jason Brownlee, rookie. Wide receiver for the New York Jets. He's a uh, under. He, he just he made the team. Uh, undrafted free agent. He got two hundred and forty six thousand uh, dollars signed, like signing bonus, and that's the equivalent of what a, a fifth round pick is. So like the the Jets loved this guy, and also, I also saw a video that came out too. The Jets had a third round value on Jason Brownlee going into the draft, so they obviously really like this guy. He's doesn't have like the worst path to targets. Like I don't think he's gonna be that much of a factor this year, but Randall Cobb, he's he's gotta be on his way out. Like he's almost out of the picture. Denzel Mims off the team. Uh Corey Davis just retired. So it's he's just kind of sneaking uh little like there's more paths to the playing time for the boy Jason Brownlee. And he also had a ridiculous catch in training camp. I don't know if we have it. Do we have it? Oh no, I don't have it. Nah, it's fine. That's fine, it's fine. It's just look at look up Jason Brownlee catch. It's an unbelievable. It looks like it's Odell Beckham like, and I don't. And some people will accuse me of being like, "Oh, it's one highlight." You're damn right, it's one highlight. It's freaking sick. So I like Jason Brownlee. Uh, he's like I said, very deep sleeper. Is this guy going to be the next Garrett Wilson? Probably not. But could he be like the next Jarvis Landry? I don't see why not. He's also like six two though, so maybe that's not the best comparison. But neither here nor there. No, I I really don't hate it. There's going to be a lot. There's not a lot to fight for at the lower levels of the Jets sec, uh, receiver core, but there's also at that level not a lot of people to beat. So it may not be you know an immense amount of targets, maybe a few spot starts with some injuries, but Brownlee is definitely a guy, especially in deep dynasty formats, that should 100% be rostered. I... I couldn't decide if that's how, how I wanted to go with it, like a super deep, you know, like 2% rostered type of type of player. Because um, I, I really wanted to talk about Braxton Berrios. And it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the roundtable, right, if I wasn't talking <laughs> some ridiculous shit, right? So I'm going to talk – yeah, you know what? I'm going to talk to the people about Braxton Berrios. He is the the third wide receiver. He's the starting slot receiver for the Miami Dolphins. Now, it may not be pretty, but he's a starter on a team that is going to have sustained drives, a lot of pass attempts, and and a high pace of play. There's going to be a lot of snaps for the Miami Dolphins. And now, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle form one of the tighter target share consolidations that you can find in the NFL. But when you look at the availability, you know, I don't know how, if you, if you guys believe in vacated targets, I think there's a spectrum to that, but I believe Mike Jacecki, who is now a new England Patriot is, you know, is gone from this offense and they didn't really replace him with anybody. Durham Smite, despite, you know, the, the absence of big Mike, is not all of a sudden a good pass catcher 
or or a tight end. It's it's McDaniel saying we want to funnel our game through other areas. We're not worried about passing to our tight ends. They're taking the 2021, 2022 Detroit Lions approach. And they're going to have a slot receiver that's adept at getting open and is, you know, has a guy, he's a guy with burst and in short areas, you know, can you be used in the goal line? We've saw him in 2020 with the Jets uh, in 2021, have some, have some spike weeks and don't be shocked when he score when he scores a touchdown in week one and the whole Twitter world stops to say Braxton Berrios scored the first touchdown for the chargers. It feels like a feels like a script or sorry for the Dolphins against the Chargers. But I think in that offense where he can be used as a as a Welker type uh, with, you know, some some more burst to him, you can actually run some jets and stuff with Braxton Berrios. You couldn't do that with Welker, but I digress. Braxton Berrios in deep leagues. In in more casual leagues, I kind of like, and I hate to say this, this is this is again gross, but Marquez Valdez Scantling. Now we're talking. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. That, All right. This is, this is why you this is why you subscribe to Player Profiler for the Marquez Valdez scaling takes that no one's talking about. And early early season, first few weeks, while Kelsey is you know not at hundred percent with his knee. We look, I'm just saying we don't know if Sky Moore is the truth. I believe that he is. But even if even if he's good, going back to what I don't know if Ahan's ever gonna come back on screen again, but going back to what Tyler said about Isaiah Hodgins profiling as an ex, that's gonna be a that's a similar situation as what we're seeing right now. Rasheed Rice, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, these are all slots. And Justin Ross, you know, is not a slot, but likely not earning a starter role anytime soon and love it or hate it. And I hate it because I had his under in this game and it cost me about $200. It was a prize picks thing, but again, Cincinnati had eight targets, six receptions, 116 yards. If that's the type of usage that we could be seeing, he's literally free. So, so he's so free. He's so free. (laughs) <laughs> I, uh, you take I, the floor it's all you let's let's hear it why, why are you so out on marquez valid scaling especially if kelsey's out let's hear it because you don't buy 30 year olds who are terrible players and maybe the fourth best pass catcher on their team it's not that complicated sky Moore is the most obvious breakout in at wide receiver this year uh, among players who basically didn't do anything last year. Rasheed Rice, the breakout finder, thinks Rasheed Rice is good. Travis Kelsey is obviously still there. The opportunity might not be there because Patrick Mahomes will throw to whoever's open, not the bad players who can't even catch the who, – who won't separate in the first place and then will catch half the jump balls. Like, let, let's not. <laughs> uh, can we – Okay, go- but – but – but <laughs> – but – do you agree that there's still a lot of targets to go around in Kansas City and we haven't placed certainty around a lot of them yet? I agree that I will push the button on MVS at least once in DFS this season. Okay, okay but I'm not drastically ripping. 
no, no, no. I, I'm I'm saying like weak, like oh, weekly, gotcha. like okay, perfect okay. matchup. Like yeah. when I stack Mahomes in a perfect matchup when they're playing an explosive, an explo- a porous explosive pass play defense. Then yes, I'll, I'll push the button on Marquez Valdez Scantling. I mean, once. did the did the Lions did the I don't have any data ready, but did the Lions were they particularly great at? you know, keeping the big play away. I mean, they seem to be at home, home opener seems to be maybe the type of situation where we might see targets get funneled to some more reliable pass targets. And by that, I mean, people who have played more snaps with Patrick Mahomes. There, there, there is, there is, there is some upside. Maybe week one is one of the three weeks that you get a wide receiver two plus performance out of it. I, I won't put that out of the question. Before right. we, before we move on, I just want to touch on the Braxton Varios thing really quick. Braxton Varios is winning on and off the field. I mean, the dudes with Alex Earl, that's another reason to draft him. Have you seen the guy with his shirt off? He looks like I, – I, if I'm choosing three guys like – do you like, have a link? Do you have a link to send? I feel like this is a stream moment. Yeah, now he wants the link. Now he wants that, the link. Yeah, now you want the link. You don't want to see Jason Brownlee's one-handed catch, but you were like, oh, Bra- shirtless Braxton Berrios, where's the link? Sign me up. Yeah, I'm – There's a picture. There's a distinct picture. If you look at Braxton Berrios on Google, just shirtless, there's one with like a backwards hat. He's in the gym. Like, he is like DK Metcalf level, like, like just jacked. This dude like is is one of the best three looking players in the league with his shirt off, and I I put him up against anybody. He is he's unbelievable. He's, Jay, he looks- that's another that's another quote moment right there. Um, <laughs> I, I'll pay someone on social to put that one out. Braxton Berrios <laughs> is a top three guy NFL player, and they have to put off. that picture with the graphic. They have to put the picture that I'm talking about with the graphic. See, that's content. I mean, that's just that's how content's done. So. Where do you guys play your fantasy leagues? Most of them these days. Sleeper for sure. Yeah, right. It's crazy. Uh, if you you know, in my work league, it's ESPN, and in, in my girlfriend's work league, it's ESPN, and it just like it, a tear sheds yeah. every time that that a league is is not on sleeper right now. But you know, for some for some reason, you don't know what sleeper is. Uh, allow us to uh, to give you a better explanation. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. Now, you know I love Kenny Pickett, right? Week one, who does he face? San Francisco. That's a bummer. So I'm going to be going less than on Kenny Pickett's projected yardage. And on whichever quarterback is starting for San Francisco in week one. (laughs) Probably not Trey Lance. But then, who do the Steelers face in Week 2? Ah, the Browns, right? We think the Browns are going to crank things up. So there, you can say, hey, Kenny Pickett, more than his projected passing yards. And you keep on correlating. Elijah Moore, more than. George Pickens, more than. And if you pick up to 8, that's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. We are back. Dynasty Roundtable live with Ahan Rungta and Tyler Football. It's time for the segment that I am most excited about. We are going to break down our playoff predictions. We got 
we have our, our files ready to go. Got to pull up the window here and we are sharing. All right. So we start with Mr. Tyler Knabley, who has the for I let I'll have you break it down for us. Yeah. Can we could we zoom in, Matt? I think we yep. zoom in. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Beautiful. There we go. So obviously I just I just started breaking down by uh by uh division, obviously. And first th- there was a couple of gimmies. Like I feel like like the Niners, like they're just so good. That's why I have my as my one seed. Eagles, same thing. I, I I flirted with putting the Cowboys in there, but I know the Eagles lose some defensive pieces, but I like the Eagles. So Falcons, I got you're not gonna find a bigger Falcons fan than me. So it's it's they gotta be in there. They're 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 better than the Saints. So the Falcons are in there. And then we got the Lions. Lions was the one where I, I went back and forth with the Vikings and the Lions. I just I I put the Lions simply because it's just their turn. It's their time. They they've they've been depressed for centuries, uh, as long as the, the sport's been uh been played. So I think it's just the Lions turn. They got it, they got this if if it's not this year, then if they like if they don't make the playoffs this year. Dan Campbell's out of there. Someone's going to be like, it's going to be, it's going to be terrible looks all the way around. They have one of the best offenses in the league in terms of weapons. So I feel really good about, about like that core kind of, uh, kind of setting right there. Wild cards, Giants, Cowboys, Seattle. And I think this is exactly what it was last year. So, so uh, I just, I couldn't bring myself to put the Vikings in there for the wild card either. Other teams I couldn't really find myself to put in were like the, the commanders. I mean, don't really, not really feeling it. Um, what were some of the other teams? Who am I missing? Um, oh, I can't even remember. Oh, like the ba- I, th- I flirted with the Bears. So I'm not gonna lie, just because <laughs> I don't know. Like it's, the, like, it's just stuff like that where everyone talks about the the AJ Brown with Jalen Hurts, Stephon Diggs with Josh Allen. Now it's DJ Moore with Justin Fields. Like that could legitimately be a game changer. We don't know. Guess we'll have to see. But um, NFC side, I feel like I feel like I went pretty chalk. Go to the AFC. This was incredibly hard because you notice like the, I don't have the Ravens in there. I don't have the Browns in there, which are a really good team. Like it's just, I, I couldn't, I, I kind of uh, moved some different stuff around lines going. I like that 12 and seven, baby. Um, so let's just start with, like chiefs, Jags, Bengals. Those are all pretty chalk. Um, and Jags. I feel like, the, I feel like the top, the, the division wins are all pretty chalk uh, chiefs, bills, Jags, Bengals. And then where it gets fun is the wild card. I'm a believer in the Miami Dolphins this year. I think their offense is too explosive. Mike McDaniel is too good of a, just an offensive mind. Plus, something that I'm not really hearing a lot of people talk about. I know they lose Jalen Ramsey, which is a tough loss for them. But Vic Fangio is like one of – I'm pretty sure there was like a poll of like offensive coordinators were polled. Who is like the guy you don't want to go against like a defensive mind? And Vic Fangio is like the leader of that poll. He's a defensive mind. He's like the guy who invented just keep everything in front of you. Cover, we're going to play cover two against everything. So – I like that. I think Miami, like they is if Tua stays healthy. That's the thing. If Tua stays healthy, I think Miami can be a really good team. Chargers feel that they have to get in. They they have a better OC this year. Uh, I think their offense is going to be a lot more explosive, big plays than it was last year. It's dink and dunk to Austin Eckler every other play. And then the last one, I couldn't decide between the Jets and the Browns. I just I I put the Jets because I'm pretty sure the Jets and Browns do play Week 17. So whoever wins that game is going to get in. And I I just picked the Jets because. I think their defense is really good. I truly think they were a quarterback away last year. If they had a quarterback, their season would have been entirely different. So that's kind of the philosophy I stuck with. We still don't know for sure with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, but I picked the Jets. I I have three three people from the AFC East in there, and I have uh, 
three teams from the NFC East in there as well. So that's that's what I what I'm rolling with. I don't feel too confident about the, the Jets one, but everything else with I feel like I have a strong ish argument for. So you feel confident about the Falcons winning the division? I will bet my life savings the Falcons win. The, I in fact I already have. So uh, I'm I'm very confident the Falcons will win the division. The Saints are not good. I promise you, they're not. They're they're frauds. I promise you. Three teams from the AFC East is interesting. I want. I'm curious to know how close Seattle and San Francisco are in your in your division race in the one you made in your head. Uh, yeah, I, I. It's not that close. Like it's it's kind of close because I mean they're they're both good teams. Obviously, I think it's like a three a three game three game difference. Like Seattle is their defense. Like they st- I think they still have trouble with uh, some interior O line problems. Uh, I know they drafted um, the corner Devon. They drafted Witherspoon. They they, they obviously draft Zach Charbonnet, who's going to change the entire offense for them. Uh, obviously, so I don't know. Like they're they're a good team. That's why I got them uh, just getting in there. But um, it's not that close. I would say I would honestly say the Cowboys Eagles is a little closer in my mind than Seattle uh, San Francisco is. Interesting, interesting. Ahan, what do we what do we take of Tyler's Tyler's? Uh playoff predictions here there are some disagreements and i i feel like uh tyler's strongest take is is the one that i is the the one that i disagree with uh, uh you know a little bit so i mean as while you pull while you pull up mine uh yeah i mean so i wrote an article uh of uh, what was it like a month ago um about like some team uh team bets and uh for the ogs if you remember what my biggest my only two unit bet of this of the offseason was um and it's something that disagrees with what Tyler just said, uh, which is I had the New York Jets under nine and a half wins. I think they missed the playoffs. Uh, and before Sean Payton uh, ran his mouth, uh, you know, and started trash talking the Jets for absolutely no reason, I was going to say that the Jets finished finish fourth in the division. But they got an extra win there. That Broncos game is an auto win. So they'll finish third, but they're still missing the playoffs. Um, the fair. Jets That's last fair. year, the Jets last year played in some close games and actually, you know, didn't they won a few of those close games or they lost. They won a few of those close games. They lost a few of those close games. Yes. They were a quarterback away from being competitive, uh, but that, that defense was still top five. It's probably going to be top five again, but if the defense isn't top five, then I don't see how this offense is going to carry them. I would argue that losing Elijah Moore and then replacing him with Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. Yes. I, I know we're Jason Brown. The truth is over here, but I would argue their offensive weapons took a downgrade because uh, I think Elijah Moore is good, and I don't think Alan Lazard is good. Um, you talk about Aaron Rodgers. We've talked about so many times on the show that Aaron Rodgers was just below average last year. And like, if you it, don't shoot the messenger, shoot just shoot shoot the shoot the stats right. Like, go, go playerprofiler.com/slash Aaron Dash Rodgers. If, if you want to argue with the stats, go argue with the stats. He was not good last year. Uh, so unless Aaron Rodgers goes back to his MVP form, which at, at age 40, I'm glad uh, betting against, I'm good on the Jets. All right. So we'll just uh, go straight into your playoff predictions. Keep it yeah, going. So, bring it down. Yeah. So, uh, I mean – it, it wouldn't be a playoff predictions for me without some hot takes in there, right? Like, I mean, I'm not here to give you chalk. If you want to, if you want to hear people actually smoking something, go to ESPN uh, or, you know, <laughs> go to, 
number one, what, 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 were, what were the predictions today? Number one, uh, uh, Jets, number two, Patriots, number three, Bills, number four, Dolphins, something love like it. that. Absolutely love it. Like, if you if you want that kind of hot take, you go there. But I'll give you some mildly hot takes that I actually think are reasonable. So, for starters, if, if, you've, if you've seen my Twitter over the last couple of days, uh, I, I found out that there, there are Titans fans uh, because – the Titans fans have been on my neck about thinking that the Jacksonville Jaguars are good. And I outlined it in my article why I think they're good. Uh, I think their 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 defense got better, and they remind me a lot of the Bengals from a couple of years ago when nobody had the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Their defense got hot at the right time, and their offensive core obviously was good. The Jags, their offensive core is good. Last year, uh, only, two play, only two quarterbacks in the entire league – had a positive EPA per play against every single type of coverage, Patrick Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has been outstanding. Uh, you know, in the second half of the season, he was elite. In the Doug Peterson era, he finally gets a full offseason to work with Calvin Ridley as well. And people are saying Calvin Ridley is likely dust. Like, he wasn't out because of injury. He was out because bro was sitting on the couch. Like, he has, a, he's had a year to recuperate. It's tough playing in the NFL taking hits. He spent a year not doing that. Uh, so Calvin Ridley, the last time he was in the NFL, he was an alpha. He's still good. Uh, so I believe in that offense. And I think because of the weak division, and Titans fans, don't get on my neck. I'm giving you respect. Look, I put you at six. I think you make the wild card. Like, stop, stop hating. It's the other two teams in the division, the Colts and the Texans, that I don't believe in to be competitive this year. And because of that easy divisional schedule, I've given the Jags the one seed semi-hot take. Um, and then on the NFC side, uh, I think that the, the, the main things we need to talk about here is that the Saints are chalked to win the division. So I didn't think that was too hot of a take. I like the Falcons. I think that they, you know, I given them a playoff spot. Uh, but the issue here is I think the difference is simply going to be that if Desmond Ritter struggles a little bit, uh, you might see them hesitate to give to, to have, you know, the guy who spent his career coming up, uh, you know, being the backup and then being better than the original starter, Taylor Heineke. I think Taylor, semi-hot take here, I think Taylor Heineke is is the guy that finishes this season as a quarterback, but I think they hesitate a little bit to go there, and I think that that one game of hesitation might cost them the division. I don't think the Saints are necessarily elite. I don't think they, you know, they may not win a playoff game, uh, but I, I think the Falcons are maybe a little bit further away from winning the division than, than Tyler might think. And then the other semi-hot take was, was, uh, was, the, was the Seahawks. They're only plus 200 um, on the books to, to win the division. And uh, believing in the Seahawks is something that I think we can all get uh, on board with. Geno Smith had, was great last year. And if you look at the numbers from the, the the limited time he played the previous year, he was good. And he was just doing more of the same last year, right? It shouldn't be a shocker that Geno Smith is not a bad quarterback. Uh, but their defense sneakily got better as well. Obviously, drafting Devon Witherspoon, but they did a lot in the offseason, um, especially in the draft. So many picks, uh, partly thanks to, uh, to you know trades, but so many picks, and they used them well. Uh, so I think the Seahawks can upset the, the 49ers for the division, maybe win 10 games, and that might be enough in that division, just because the 49ers, they have a quarterback roulette going on here, and we can't assume that they're going to continue winning all those close games. And Brock Purdy, I just never been a believer um, in Brock Purdy. I, you know, I'll, 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 I'll keep saying this until he proves me. Otherwise I think Sam Darnold could end up with that, with that job. And again, if they don't make the move fast enough. The Seahawks going to keep winning. 
Um, and then I also have the Packers, which I think Tyler didn't have the Packers uh, making the playoffs. Packers are going to, you know, the Lions are, are the feel-good story that are the favorite of that division, but the Packers are the best team. Uh, and I think th- this is, whether they win the division or not, is basically going to rely on, it was Jordan Love worth that first-round pick or not? And uh, my hot take, he was. Uh, and he's actually not bad at football. And given all these weapons, who I do believe in, obviously, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, who we love a lot here at Pro Profiler, Luke Musgrave is good. Uh, notice how I didn't mention uh, the other wide receiver who didn't practice today. He's not good, but the other guys are good in that offense. Uh, so I believe in the Packers. Uh, that, that's why I have them winning the division. So you mentioned that you don't think the Saints are going to be elite, yet they are the two seed in the in the NFC. That sounds like weak divisional schedule. Uh, they're going to get a bunch of Mickey Mouse wins. Be that playoff team that gets a high seed and get rocked uh, as as soon as the playoffs start. Yeah. So those are one of the when when you look through the NFC South. I, I mean. So when I did my playoff predictions, I used uh, a website that Cody Carpen I, I found from Cody Carpentier. Shout out to him, um, which which let you pick the winner of every single game from week one to week seventeen or week eighteen, and um, and then you know the results is what what I got from my playoff bracket, and it's a little interesting how it turned out. But I, I did have Carolina and Tampa as two of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, they're going to struggle to get four wins, in my opinion. It's going to be bad. Um, I think the Saints and Falcons could potentially double up on them both this year, although, you know, it's not the division rivalry. Um, sorry, my girlfriend's drafting right now, so she she's texting me, and I'm, like, trying to uh, to offer help when I can. But, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it was supposed to be yesterday, and then the guy completely messed up, like setting the draft time and everything. So completely screwed me over there. But so pick going through and picking a winner for every single game led me to this. And there's going to be some things that jump out at you, uh, particularly Ahan. I could already, I could already tell is probably seething at one particular spot on this grid. Um, and I'm going to get to it in a little bit. But first, I'm going to start with the NFC, which I think came out a little, a little cleaner. Uh, so in the North. Ahan posed a really good argument for for the Packers. And, you know, I think the Lions are, you know, they, they improved on some of, the, some of the defensive pieces that they need to. They didn't do anything flashy, but, you know, uh, C.J. Garner-Johnson was a really nice pickup. He's an experienced veteran, just, cut, just came from a winning locker room in, in Philadelphia. Well, all, nearly winning locker room. You know, there's only one winning locker room, and that's Kansas City. But going to be a huge leadership piece there and they're just going to be they're going to be a scrappy team and they're going to be centered on the run and I know they don't have the receiving rep weapons all the way down that that you would like but the lions are are tougher than everybody in their division and I, in my opinion I, I think they're they're going to win the dogfight and it's not going to be it's not going to be pretty but Minnesota's a, a team I think takes uh, a pretty big step back and re- receiver next. Yes. Please draft a receiver next. Um, this is horrible T this is horrible radio, but you got to do what you got to do. All right. So Minnesota's a team I see taking a step back, but green Bay, I just don't know if 
I, I found myself propping up Jordan Love all offseason saying like he can't be that bad. And then when push comes to shove and I was looking for, you know, these actual teams to win, the Packers are a team that struggled to win last season. And, you know, they're they're gonna be a team that struggles in the clutch. You know, they're they're not a group that's spent a lot of time together. And that's going to show, especially early in the season and in divisional games. And I think that's where, you know, the bears who take a step forward also lose out on, um, and, and the lions come away in an ugly division as, as the division winner and barely beat out the saints for the, the three seed. And, and the saints are, you know, they're a team that they've been on the precipice. You know, they, they keep doing the, the push the cap down the road, you know, keep being, you know, having the lowest cap space in the league, always restructuring deals. And now they're at a point where, you know, their defense is still that core that it always has been that they're not, not much has changed on their defense and they, they get an upgrade in quarterback going from Andy Dalton to Derek Carr and say what you will about Derek Carr, but he puts together some pretty decent offenses throughout his career. And, by the NFC South standards, it's going to be an elite offense. And they're going to trounce their interdivisional schedule. They're going to beat the Falcons at least once. They're going to beat one of Tampa or Carolina twice. And, you know, their their external divisional schedule is, is pretty soft as well. And then it's going to give them an avenue to, to win their division. The Eagles are the Eagles. I don't need to speak much on them. The Seahawks winning the division over the 49ers. The 49ers defense struggled in some key areas last year and did not really improve those areas. Their secondary was a trouble spot. They had one of the highest passing yards allowed, air yards per attempt allowed, touchdown rate allowed, and one of the fewest sack percentages out there, even with you know the, the talent that they have. Now, do I expect them to necessarily finish bottom of the barrel in, in sack rate? Again, no. Um, but their secondary struggles are going to continue and see the Seattle Seahawks are going to be a team that will expose you through the air. And they have some blood in their mouth after being, you know, beaten by the 49ers in the playoffs. And the, the Seahawks are going to come out firing. I think they have a better offense this year. And I think they have a defense that's capable of competing. It's still not a great defense, but they're going to be in a situation where they're going to be able to beat up on Arizona and LA. And I think they beat the 49ers once. Uh, I, I think the 49ers offense is going to struggle and they're going to win that division, but the 49ers are still going to sneak into the playoffs along with the giants who are the NFC East second best team, but the Cowboys are still good enough to keep them in the mix. All right. Now I'll push along to the AFC bills are not much. Uh, again, they were consistent year over year and one of the best records in the NFL last season. Not much has changed for them. Now, they're the clear they're the clear winner in the east to me and i don't really see this this afc east team being this afc east division being ridiculously competitive so the dolphins are a team that has a high enough powered offense and a stable enough de- defense to where if, again if Tua stays healthy they're going to make it in some way somehow i think it's going to be pretty ugly and the chargers are just going to get kind of burned by having to play the chiefs twice and the Broncos twice, and a lot of high-octane teams around the league like Cincinnati. So they have a fairly unfavorable schedule. I think they're going to lose a couple of close games that aren't going to favor them. Uh, the, again, the, the Chiefs are going to you know, potentially be the division winner there. Uh, the Jaguars are a team where I feel like I gave them a couple of too many losses 
uh, finishing at the four seed, but I think they're, they comfortably win the AFC South and are, are, you know, a, a pursuant. I am a ticket owner for, for Jacksonville Jaguars Super Bowl future. Uh, I, I have, I have a teaser in there. I think it's, I think it's a good value. I, I have a ticket for uh, AFC East winner as well. And the, the team that sticks out maybe like a sore thumb to some people is the, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the fifth seed. I found that they had a, a pretty decent outer division schedule. They're playing, they're playing teams like, like Oak or the, like the Raiders and, and Houston uh, so they have some free wins and the, and the Cardinals, they have some free wins built into their schedule. And I think this, this offense is taking a massive step forward in efficiency and their defense is going to be a trouble area. Their offensive line is still a trouble area. So I'll admit looking at this, I know I have Pittsburgh probably a little too high, but their team, I think takes a massive step forward. And And while they're probably more realistically flirting with, the seventh seed in the wild card. And it looks more like chargers, Dolphins, Steelers. Um, you know, I'm, tr- uh, I'm going to stay true to what I put out in the predictor and, you know, the Steelers are going to take a massive jump and be, be the fifth seed. Just curious. What, what pick did you say that I was going to see that? The Steelers. Okay. I, 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 I don't mind the Steelers love that division is tough. Okay. Okay. That's good. The, the, what I was worried about was when I, uh, when we were in stream or I was in the chat and YouTube talking about Kenny Pickett having weapons and you, you, you tore me a new one on the stream. You, 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 cooked, you had me cooked. Did I? I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. You cooked. said, you said no one going as late as Jordan love has four receiving weapons. And so I was oh, like, Oh I mean, yes. Kenny, I said in Kenny comparison Pickett. to the Packers. Yeah. Yes. And then, and then you, I mean, you torched me for saying, for even suggesting that Najee Harris was a pass catching talent. Oh yeah. I, I, I would gladly scorch you again. for that. <laughs> All right. And I'll, and I'm not going to pick that argument again uh, because it's time to look, the people have been waiting. Well, hold on. We have, first we have some comments. So Jay says he thinks the Rams have the cards beat for the worst roster in the league. I actually don't hate that. Uh, I have I had the Cardinals finishing above the Rams. I'm still not convinced Kyler Murray doesn't play. Um, I know it's not looking good. I think there's two sides to the narrative. Uh, one really good one that was brought up is if Kyler's healthy, it might be in his best interest as to where he, if he gets traded or if he stays a starter in Arizona to play and, and kind of, you know, prove like, hey, I'm that guy. I'm determined. You know, there's a lot of questions about, you know, him being a locker room leader, like that's all going to cost him money if this leads to him sitting out all season and, and getting traded. So if he's healthy, it's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens if Arizona decides to sit him and try and tank uh, what's going to happen there. There could be potentially a grievance filed with the league and, and then things will get real messy. But um, Jay also asked who's getting the number one pick in next year's draft. So fellas, who do we think is is winning the Caleb Williams sweepstakes? I like Bronx. how those are two separate questions because the because Caleb Could be Williams because Caleb Williams said uh, I I might stay in school oh, but yeah. I don't like the yeah. number one pick. USC yeah. is winning the the Caleb Williams sweepstakes uh, potentially. All right, so so those are really good. Those are both really good picks for who's going to finish uh, first in next year's draft. I'm, I'm glad and thank you both for your participation there. Yeah. 
Just like a money bag, yo said, came up like Giannis. I get bigger bucks, Buccaneers. That, that, okay. was, that was terrible. All no, right. it was great. It was you great. killed the whole segment there, Tyler. We're just going to move on to our to our best bets <laughs> now. If you if you watched last season during the during the regular season, you know Ahan's best bets are something you need to tune in for. In fact, he is even hosting the Player Profiler Prop Pick'em Power Hour. Did I? Is that the full correct name of the of the show? We don't use the word prop. The pick and power. There's a pick and power hour. My my mistake, but so you know he was just live earlier today, bringing some underdog picks. So so Ahan, why don't you tell us a little bit about you know your new show and then give us your best bet for the week? Yeah, so uh, the new show with Trevor Tipton uh, at FFC. You later. Yes, that is his username. It is awesome. I wish my username was awesome like that. Uh, but Trevor Tipton and I are running a show called the Pick and Power Hour. Uh, if you go to Underdog Fantasy, I mean, a lot of you already do that uh, to do best ball drafts. But if you uh, look at the Pick'em section of Underdog, uh, you can make Pick'em entries where you can take player uh, players higher or lower than their projected line. Uh, if you think a line is off, let's say you look at the seasonal projections or or uh, I, I guess now it would be the, the weekly projections. You uh, look at our weekly projections, you say, wow, I agree with uh, Billy and Dario's uh, weekly progr- uh, projections. And uh, Underdog has this uh, about 20 yards uh, apart from the projections. Well, you should take, uh, you should uh, challenge Underdog and take either the higher or the lower. Uh, and uh, that's basically, you know, you, you put a few in an entry and you can win money that way. Uh, it's a good way to win money weekly w- without playing DFS. So, uh, we're out here uh, at Pick and Power Hour, just giving you uh, the the picks we like, how are lower than. We did an episode today uh, for Thursday Night Football, uh, and uh, I'll give you uh, one of the picks from there, and I'll use it as my best bet of Week One uh, because uh, it, this is the only bet I have locked on the sports books, um, and I also took it on Underdog as a pick'em. David Montgomery. Well, we're doing uh, our, uh, our 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 leading our leading. Uh, was looking for the correct uh, correct uh, thing, the, the correct term there. I'm never going to get it. Our leader, Seth, <laughs> we're making him proud. We're going David Montgomery anytime touchdown on underdog. You can get it as over uh, half a receiving plus rushing touchdown. Uh, the thesis on this is simple. Uh, number one, the Chiefs are, are a good matchup for this. They were about a middle-of-the-pack uh, run defense last year, and uh, tomorrow going to be without Chris Jones. Uh, so, obviously, Jameer Gibbs getting – the most hype. He's the clear uh, lead guy in the backfield. But we like this before Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator for the Lions, even said Jameer Gibbs may be used in untraditional ways. And now, if that means Jameer Gibbs is lining up at wide receiver and David Montgomery gets an 80% opportunity or 80% uh, snap share at running back, we're all in. But even without that, even if they get 50 50, David Montgomery has taken over the Jamal Williams role for last year. Jamal Williams last year scored. Uh, double-digit touchdowns. He was the guy just running it in, uh, you know, instead of uh, putting the pressure on Goff to pass it in the end zone. Um, and now, obviously, the, the the Lions keep basically most of their core. I know they added Marvin Jones, uh, but Marvin Jones, not the player he, he once was. Uh, and Amon Ra going to get a lot of that defensive attention on him. I think they keep sticking to the game plan against the Chiefs tomorrow. Uh, they stick to that run game uh, in the red zone. Uh, David Montgomery, uh has been that guy his entire career, just punching in touchdowns, playing alongside Justin Fields, who obviously one of the one of the biggest threats, a top three threat at quarterback to run the football in, 
playing alongside Justin Fields, David Montgomery is very efficient in the red zone, uh, and uh, he he got many of those touchdowns in against defenses like the Chiefs. So we like Montgomery uh, to score tomorrow, and that's my week one best bet. I like it. I like it. I like David Montgomery. I had dra- drafting a lot of him in uh, an underdog this offseason. So sign me up for any David Montgomery, uh, any hype that's that's going on. I'm, I'm up for it. My best bet is going to be uh, not a player prop, but more of a, uh, a spread. A spread for you, uh, you wonderful people. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. There's, so there were some other spreads that I like. like I like Titans plus three against New Orleans. I like Miami plus three against the Chargers. But I couldn't believe this spread when I saw it. It is the Eagles and uh the pats they're minus four in new england i don't care where it's at this the eagles are the what probably should have won the super bowl last year they didn't but like they were arguably the best team in the league last year they lose a couple pieces on defense i know i know they lose hargrave they lose uh uh chauncey Gardner johnson but this is still one of the best teams in the nfl going up against one of the most mid teams in the NFL and the new England Patriots. Like I know they get Bill O'Brien as their, their OC. Like that's the one thing I guess that's, that's kind of changed for them this off season. Like, like I, it's, it's an upgrade from uh, Patricia, I guess I'll give you that, but I don't think Bill O'Brien's going to come in and turn this offense around with Ezekiel Elliott and, uh, and Devonte Parker. Also quick side note. Did we see that Zeke photo circulating the internet a little bit today? I couldn't, it wasn't. I don't know how Zeke manages to get like the worst, like the worst photos. It's like him and James Harden are the two leaders of like worst. He's like wearing this angle. baggy sweatshirt or something. Yeah. Like I you I pulled up like a side by side earlier today with my coworkers, like him and his team photo. Yeah. Where he's like leaning forward, right, and you can uh-huh. see like he does not. I mean, he's either holding in his gut as best as he can, yeah, or he's actually just not that big. Yeah. And then he's in practice with this baggy sweatshirt and his crop top jersey, and he looks like he weighs 230. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, Zeke's not changing the line for me. I mean, who's Mac Jones going to throw to? Ramondre. Cool story, bro. Like, this not not a good week for Ramondre going up against the Eagles defense, I'll tell you that. The, the, the basis is this offense is elite. This defense is still going to be really, really good. The core of that defense is still intact. I just don't know how the Patriots keep up in this game. I – if it, if the Patriots somehow cover and the Eagles don't cover, that will mean this was a close game. It came down to like the last possession. I don't think that's going to happen. Eagles, give it to me all day minus four. Yeah, those are both those are both ones that I I, I truly like a lot. Um, the David Montgomery one was in fact my best bet <laughs> because it was it was you know the one I had on the books and a lot of the bets that I wanted to bring have have moved heavily because of the Kelsey news. So. I was already in on on the Lions plus seven before that moved. That's at four and a half now. Uh, I was on the the Lions money line at at plus two ten. Um, that's uh, nowhere close to that now. I was on Sky Moore over thirty eight and a half receiving yards. That's at forty four and a half now. Uh, but the one thing that you can still play that's going to be it'll be easier to get on underdog than on sports books, but. And and Ahan kind of shouted this out in in the pick and power hour. Harrison Butker over one and a half made field goals is another bet I have on the books that you could still yeah because what's gonna who is the biggest red zone threat for the Kansas City Chiefs? Travis Kelsey. If he sits out, you can you can guarantee there will be one more drive than normal. 
that stalls and results, you know, in a field goal. And, you know, only it's, it's game one. There's some rust, you know, Kansas city, Kansas city's going to be working without one of their top options. And the lions are, you know, the lions have, you know, a fairly decent front seven. They're not, uh, going to be barreled over by just anybody. So Pacheco, you know, is not guaranteed to run in for a touchdown. You know, th- there's going to be a couple of stops here and Harrison Bucker has, you know, a great, great leg. He's got a lot of strength, a lot of accuracy. So in a game with, you know, still a fairly high implied total, um, I'm, I'm, I'm loving taking Harrison Bucker, uh, solo. If you can find it on, on your, on your sports books, and uh, on underdog slash prize picks and and, and my and a sleeper rival, any any of those pick'em sites, you know, I'm I'm trying to find that leg. Now, real quick before we before we get out of here, uh, can we give a a DFS hero week one DFS hero? All you know, you got it, you got it. So week one, uh, I I mean I. Week one, week one, week two. These are the these are the times that I like to go all in on my guys for the season. Kind of look into who the market is kind of slow on, uh, who people haven't caught up on. Right up, I mentioned Isaiah Hodgins. People are going to learn, relearn his name uh, in a week or two. Uh, another guy I'm targeting who some people are high on, but I don't think are uh, high enough on him. Also gets a good matchup in week one. That's David Njoku. Uh, last year, uh, uh, Cincinnati was around middle of the pack in fantasy defense uh, versus tight ends. Uh, they allowed the seventh most receiving yards to tight ends. Uh, Njoku, red zone monster, uh, especially playing with uh, Deshaun Watson. He had multiple top five fantasy weeks in the few games that Deshaun Watson played. And Deshaun Watson had an argument for arguably being the worst starting quarterback in the NFL in the span that he played last year, right? And if Deshaun Watson could be an, we don't need him to be an MVP candidate, especially, you know, for one week, we don't need him to be an MVP candidate. But for the full season, we don't need him to be an MVP candidate. Give us an average version of Deshaun Watson, a little positive regression uh, from uh, last year. This offense is going to be better. They're going to score. Uh, they're going to have to pass, right? Especially against Cincinnati, who we all know is a, is a, is a contender to win this, win the Super Bowl. Uh, Njoku is going to command those uh, red zone targets. Cincinnati also has got better better cornerbacks, right? We, we won't have Amari Cooper just burn Eli Apple. Uh, Jadobia Wujie is healthy now. So uh, the uh, wide receivers might have a little bit tougher of a time. Njoku is the guy that eats. I think he scores one, maybe two touchdowns. I like it. I like it. Uh, mine, my DFS hero, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel with George Kittle uh, going to most likely be out. It's not confirmed, but it does not look like it's uh, trending in it. I feel like and Kittle, doesn't Kittle do this every year? I feel like every year he comes in and he's like, like last year, didn't he miss the first two weeks of the season last year too? Like it's just kind of something that Kittle does. I don't know what's up with that. Anyways, Debo Samuel with Kittle out, he is going to be one of the most featured pieces in this offense. Obviously, CMC is still there. You have Ayuk, but Debo Samuel is, I mean, he's only two years removed from being like the most electrifying man in all of sports. So uh, he also it kind of admitted like he, he had a bad year last year too. And it seems like by all accounts, he's just motivated to go out there and be what he was in 2021. And I, I, I swear to God, I wasn't planning on mentioning this again, but he, he's texting uh, Kyle Shanahan pictures of him with his shirt off. So there's two shirtless references for you guys in the audience. We got Barrios and we got uh, Debo Samuel. So apparently he looks really good with his shirt off too. I haven't seen any of those pictures, but maybe we can get uh, 
uh, Matt to find the link on those ones as well. Um, anyways, Debo Samuel, like I said, Pittsburgh, like their defense, like they got some names, but they don't necessarily scare me in any way, like a like the like a Denver defense would, or maybe like uh, like the like the Eagles defense. So I like Debo Samuel. I just think that he's going to be more of a featured piece, especially with Kittle out, and the dude's an absolute electric factory. So I like give me give me Debo Samuel. Yeah, so I'm going to challenge what you said earlier about Keenan Allen, Tyler. I don't even remember what it was. I just remembered it was it was negative, and I and I wasn't a fan of it. <laughs> it wasn't even that negative. Like it, I just said that he doesn't have the same weekly ceiling as AJ Brown. He oh, doesn't, I, but at his price point in one of the is, highest yeah, game fair. totals in Week One, I love Keenan Allen in this matchup against Miami. This is a secondary that isn't going to be without their big addi- is is going to be without their big addition in, in Jalen Ramsey right away, and we saw early on in the season we saw Bateman cook this secondary big play after big play, and Keenan Allen is set up to do a similar thing. He's going to be moved all around, so he, he's going to play some out wide, some slot. But Miami was very susceptible to fantasy points per game against wide receivers particularly when those receivers lined up out wide. So we know that Keenan's going to have a added advantage when he's, when he's out wide. Uh, and then he's going to have the the advantage that he normally has against corners when he's in his element working the slot. So wherever they line up Keenan Allen and Kellen Moore is, is, I don't know if you know this, he's pretty good at calling plays. He's uh, he's pretty good at getting, getting his guys open. And so Keenan Allen's going to get looks. And I think, how they're going to, or at least how I expect they're going to get Mike Williams involved is actually going to kind of help Keenan Allen. And this is an offense that I think is going to, you know, I mean, Vegas thinks they're going to put up points. So I think they're going to put up points. And if this game is one of the highest implied totals, Keenan Allen has a chance to go for, you know, six to eight catches over a hundred yards and a touchdown. And, that's pretty damn good. If you can stack up, you know, one of the highest game totals in DFS, you're probably, you know, winning some money. So, uh, you know, at price, you can even get, you know, stack with Herbert or go opposite and go Tua uh, and grab, you know, maybe uh, Braxton Berrios. Braxton Berrios, week one DFS hero. But, uh, you know, my 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 true ironclad hero is Keenan in, in what I think ends up being the highest scoring total game out there. I now, like it. I like it. Thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Finally, some positivity yeah. coming out of you. I mean, just in time for the show to end. Yeah. Well, real quick, I'm sure. I mean, there's not a lot of people. There's a lot of people who would love to see Eli Apple get absolutely torched week one. So I, I'm, in, I'm in. I don't like Eli Apple. That dude's a clown. Sorry. <laughs> just had to get that off your chest. I had to get it out just, there. I had to get it out there. He's sitting there the he, whole time like, He's he's, he's, he's he's a little bitch. Oh, I, I don't know if you've seen the, some people coming at him on Twitter. I don't just I'm gonna leave it at that. Just gonna leave it at that. His baby mama said that's she not okay. Would, you brought it up. His, his baby mama. Ba- his baby <laughs> mama said she would pay the fine of anybody who intentionally hurt him this season. Yeah, that's crazy. That is some next level. Hey, you gotta get up pretty early to prey on someone's downfall harder than she is right now for Eli Apple. Exactly. Um, You know, I'm not going to get into the dynamics of their relationship. I don't know what they are, (laughs) but just a wild story to see 
on the timeline. God, we need Seth back. Yeah. All right, wrap the show up for us, Matt. (laughs) All right. Ahan, plugs, bold prediction. Let's get you guys out of here. Yeah, uh, plug. I already uh, did the main thing uh, that that uh, the, the the number one thing that I'm excited to do this season, which is uh, run the Pick'em Power Hour with Trevor Tipton. I'm um, also be uh, going to be doing a lot of betting content uh, and Pick'em content um, on uh, the player profiler social medias, uh, doing articles, uh, doing vods. Uh, so. You will unfortunately see my face uh, more often than not uh, this season, uh, especially, you know, middle of the week when uh, game time is coming and we have picks to make. Uh, so I'll be doing that. Bold prediction for week one. I'll talk about a pro- the, the one primetime game no one has addressed yet. Uh, and it's uh, Sunday night football, Giants-Cowboys. I made a thread uh, a few weeks ago um, about finding the right early round RBs uh, to draft. And I said, if you're going to draft – an early round RB, uh, let it be someone that could be the RB1 overall, like Austin Eckler was last year. Don't draft a guy that's a safe, R, you know, maybe the safe RB6 overall. Draft the guy that can be the number one. And I said, here are my top two candidates to do it. They play each other on Sunday night football in week one. Tony Pollard and Saquon Barkley, my bold prediction, they combine for 250 rushing yards in week one. I thought you were going to say Deuce Vaughn. Bad. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Plugs and bold prediction for me. I like it. That's a good, that's a good, that's a great bold prediction. I like it. See, see um, Tyler is all about that positivity. He's, he's he's telling us all that he likes our takes. Uh, makes us uh, feel valid. I I'm a pretty. I'm a pretty. He's, go he's, with it. Go. He's with like that class. one classmate that's just trying to get his participation credit in English. <laughs> You're like, and Tyler, what did you have to think about about Sophia's response? Yeah, I think she had a lot of good points to say. I I I agree with most of that, and that's what my that's what my answer was going to be. Why, that's a good you, pick, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Why? <laughs> why are you Why are you treat me like I'm uh, Billy Madison in second grade? <laughs> to, to today, Junior. All right. Anyways, um, my plugs in full prediction. Uh, Monday night tailgate. I'm uh, hosting that every Monday night, right before Monday nights, uh, breaking down everything you you need to know that happened on Sunday. It's a tailgate. Maybe I'll cook up some food, drink some beers. Maybe I'll show up in just an apron. You know, some people have said that I have a better body than Braxton Berrios, but that's neither here nor there. It's going to get wild on the Monday night tailgate. So make sure you pop into that. And it's in a wife beater. Nothing else. <laughs> nothing different. Hey, that, that's my, gym, that's my gym outfit. So I yeah. love it. I love it. Gym outfit right there. Um, bull prediction. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a parlay bull prediction just because it's what I want to see happen. Titans beat the Saints, and then Kyle Pitts is going to have two touchdowns. If, the, if that happened all on Sunday, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna, it's going to be a great Monday night show. So if you see those two things happen, you better come in because it's going to be a wild live stream. It is going to be a wild live stream. There is um... – there is a lot of special things going on on the player profiler YouTube channel this season. Um, now one of those things just for a programming announcement is the dynasty Roundtable will be going on a non-weekly basis. We'll be coming to you. It's either every two or three weeks. Uh, unfortunately that hasn't been exactly ironed out yet, but, uh, we're going to be rotating with, uh, the trade gods and, uh, Bradley stalled the show stack hunters. So these are going to be your new sun Wednesday evening programs. And, but don't worry, you're going to see, you know, you're obviously going to see a Han and Tyler, wherever they go on the channel. And, and Seth and I will be doing some other things as well. So you're not, 
you're not get necessarily getting less of us. You may actually be getting more of us. So, uh, but you can find me on this channel every week. Uh, I'm going to be doing a weekly series called everything you need to know about week X. And so we're going to be dropping week one. Oh, that's actually a good reminder. I need to write that for week one. Uh, cause that's, that's due to Seth and Joel pretty soon, but I'm going to be bringing you, you know, all the pertinent information to know before each week. And I'll be dropping on Fridays. Um, and my bold prediction for week one, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the San Francisco 49ers at home to kick off their playoff run. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.